Hello and welcome to the SQA Historical Committee podcast. My name is Moira Bandley. I'm a former board member and program committee chair. I'm here today with Richie Sikhanovi to learn about his experience with the roots of QA and SQA. Richie is a founder of SQA, president of the society between 1990 and 1991, founder of the Total Quality Specialty Section, which is now Beyond Compliance Specialty Section. He's past chair of the Ethics and Membership Committee, past chair of CVIC, and he is currently a member of CVIC, Beyond Compliance, and the Program Committee. Richie, you are an original founder, and you have so much information to impart to uh, new individuals to the society. Um, what was your first exposure to the GLPs? Well, as being a, uh, a newly minted toxicologist on my first job at Standard Oil of Ohio mm -hmm. in Cleveland, which is now BP America, I was uh, given the opportunity to evaluate a contract research organization. Uh, all of a sudden, on the first three or four months on the job, I was handed a copy of the draft GLPs that were promulgated in 1990, excuse me, 1976. And on the plane ride to the CRO, I sat down and read the salient points mm -hmm. of the GLPs, um, made a list of questions, and also put together my first checklist without realizing that that was going to be the modus operandi on how we did our early audits. Um, believe it or not, my evaluation and my discussion with the CRO came out favorably, uh, probably in part because they had to figure out how to um, comply with the regulation as well. Mm -hmm. So I received a lot of cooperation on that first visit. You had a historically important experience at Gulf Oil. Can you explain that? Yeah, yes. Um, I started at Gulf Oil in 1978 when uh, Gulf needed a toxicologist to head up their quality assurance unit. Mm -hmm. And I looked at this as an opportunity and I said, wow, there's this regulation out there called the Good Laboratory Practices and they want a toxicologist uh, to head this up. Uh, once I took this job, I realized that Gulf Oil also made pesticides and all their they had, <coughs> excuse me, they had 300 studies that were conducted by industrial biotest, and that was one of the laboratories called out by the Environmental Protection Agency of, of potential fraud. Um, so my job in the first 18 months on the, on the job with Procter with uh, Gulf Oil was to um, evaluate those 300 studies, um, hire two quality assurance professionals and purchase two microfisheries because that's how all the data was come to us. After discussing the significance of these studies, Gulf Oil to concentrate on only three pesticides that reduced the, the number of industrial biotest toxicology studies down to 101. Uh, we met our due date uh, of doing an evaluation to prove enough data existed to prove the conclusions in the report. We sent all that information to uh, EPA according to their uh, prerequisites, and about six months later, we received an answer saying that every single one of our conclusions were correct, except for one, so um, we lost only one study, so I thought that was an excellent job of hiring two people who never looked at the GLPs before, 
uh, training them. So we did it as a group and, and essentially followed a consistent format of evaluating and preparing reports for submission. As we've already talked about, you, you were instrumental in the formation of SQA. So how did that come about with the QA roundtables? Um, when, uh, when I was doing a lot of audits, not only at industrial biotest, but we were doing a number of studies also at uh, Hazelton Labs, I, was first, I first met F Fred Snyder. And, and Fred and I would talk about all these issues that we were going over in the GLPs and, and simple things like, um, you know, test article characterization or, you know, how do we know the animals were received in quarantine for the, you know, the correct amount of time? Um, show me the training records of a technician doing lavage. And Fred and I developed this, this uh, friendship. Um, and I said, you know, we, we ought to set up some kind of network. Uh, unbeknownst to me, Fred was also talking to, to other quality assurance professionals. And all of a sudden, there was about three or four of us that said, well, we ought to have a meeting. So in 1979, it took us a year to plan the first quality assurance roundtable. Um, and we did that uh, right outside of Baltimore and Hunt Valley. Mm -hmm. And we had someplace like um, about 80 people show up. I can't remember the mm -hmm. exact number, but I do remember talking to Fred that I said, I would really like to deliver the opening remarks. And I still have those remarks and I donated them to the historical committee a number of years ago. So they mm -hmm. have those. And it was a simple thing of saying, what is a round table? Why are we all here? Mm -hmm. And how can we learn from each, each other from a network? So. That first day and a half meeting was essentially the formation of how the Society Quality Assurance functions today. Why did they decide to become a society? <sighs> Very good question. Um, we, were, we had five Quality Assurance Roundtable meetings, mm -hmm. and it was at the end of the fourth one when we decided to think about incorporating and forming our own society. We did reach out to the American Society of Quality to see if they would be willing to have us as one of their chapters. We realized very quickly that um, we would have gotten lost in that organization because it didn't have the same, I would say, quality values that we had based on how the GLPs were originally mm -hmm. promulgated. So what we did is that we set up a subcommittee and we decided to model our bylaws and constitutions after the Society of Toxicology. And there were a couple of, uh, of key people that were involved in doing that. Uh, we put it to a vote in, in the meeting in 1984 in Boston and we elected our first uh, set of officers at that time. And who was the founding president? Uh, the founding president was Ann Smith. Um, and she was more of a figurehead when the, the uh, society was founded. Fred Snyder was the first elected president. And what mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know, um, when, that was, he, when he was elected that day, he took the podium and he took charge. And he got cooperation from the board of directors and all of the, I think there was like 56 people that were active members that were voted in that time. Mm -hmm. um, 
Fred did a wonderful job working through his management at Hazleton and funded the original mm -hmm. operation of, of, uh, of SQA. So we had some money backing until we got funds in so we could be self-sufficient. And I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, what Fred and his management did to kickstart, you know, SQA on its road to success. So haven't we, were there 12 roundtables? Uh, no, there were there were five roundtables. So okay, in 1980 round through 1984. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Richie, what's it like to audit in Wisconsin in the winter time? <laughs> well, um, part of my uh, part of my audit agenda while I was with Gulf Oil was to go ahead and audit some ongoing uh, industrial biotest studies. So we would fly into Madison and drive, you know, an hour and a half up to, to where they were located. Um, but uh, usually I was there in January. Um, there was no salt on the roads because it was too cold and they just threw sand. But the, the, one, the, the two things that really stuck out in my mind, or the three things, were um, we were doing a, a dog study and the dogs weren't numbered. Each dog was given a name and it was, it was kind of um, kind of interesting on how the technicians interacted with the with the dogs. The other thing that was funny is that I am, and I don't know if this was the culture in this part of the mm -hmm. U.S., but at lunchtime, um, men ate in one room and the women ate in another. But since I was a client, we usually got taken out for lunch, and we would go to the local the local bar and have sausage and cheese and crackers and a shot of beer and for 15 people it would come to like $25. And we would have good conversation, uh, you know, during that. And part of that was, um, how do you interpret the, the GLPs in this area? You know, what's going on with, um, with moving forward? Are you gonna place any more studies here? So. Um, industrial Biotest was really trying to hang on to what they had. Uh, they, I believe they eventually closed. I'm not really sure when, mm -hmm. but I think that was uh, a downturn for them, you know, having all these companies auditing them at the time. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is the biggest change over time? The biggest change? Just in the society or in the... I would say the biggest change in society is um, in the early years, the vice president planned the annual meeting with any volunteers that they could I had get. Forgotten that. And uh, it was a very successful model. And at a certain point, I think the tipping point of going to what we have now, where we appoint uh, program chairs and a committee, it relieved the vice president from that first year and allowed that person to learn from their predecessor and how to run the society. So my experience as being a vice president and planning the meeting in San Diego, did I do the San Diego? I, I think it was the San Diego meeting. It doesn't matter which one it is, but um, was getting ready also to do the incoming president's address because early on the president would open up the meeting, the uh -huh. vice president would close it because that would be the turnover of the society at that meeting. Uh, then later on we switched to an annual meeting so that kind of lost, uh, didn't fit in the program as well. So it was, it, was, uh, it was a nice handoff going from 
the president's last address to the new president coming in to their first address. And it was like the passing of the baton that was going on. It was a, it was a nice tradition. I'm sorry it was lost. But yeah. uh, there's other things that we've done well in the past, so that was nice. So how do you know when you've made it in QA? <laughs> oh, early on in my Gulf Oil career, uh, like everybody else, we were trying to call um, FDA or EPA to get advice. And I would routinely call Paul Lepore, you know, the, the current expert in the GLPs. Mm -hmm. And you know you've made it big when Paul Lepore's uh, written report on you would, sh would show up at the FDA. And it wasn't that you were trying to make a name for yourself. You just wanted to get explanation on a certain GLP. And the, and the nice thing about talking to Paul on the phone, he was always polite. He always asked detailed questions on what you were trying, you know, to to ask, so he could give you the answer based on the GOPs, not the one you wanted. So, uh, so we always learn: be careful what you ask Paul Lepore, because you might not like the answer. Yes. If you were speaking to a new SQA member, what advice would you give them? Uh, um, I guess the first thing I would ask them is. Where would you like to be in three years from now in the quality assurance profession? So, and, and what do you have to do to get to that point? And if you can answer that question, SQA has the resources to get you where you want to go. Very good. Thank you, Richie. You're welcome.